You're listening to Wiley Connected, a series of podcasts on tech, law, and policy. In each podcast, technology-focused lawyers at Wiley Ryan, a Washington, D.C. law firm, break down innovation and law with a uniquely D.C. perspective. Today's episode features Jennifer Hinden, partner at Wiley Ryan and head of its space and satellite practice, and Tom Stroop, president of the Satellite Industry Association, the leading trade association representing U.S. satellite companies, discussing the Satellite 2019 Conference and other topics of interest to the satellite industry. For those of us who haven't attended one of these satellite conferences in D.C., can you set the stage for us? How large is it? Who attends? Some background? There are about 15,000 people who attend the conference, and they've got participants from around the world. So it's the I think far and away the largest satellite conference in the world. So we have people coming from various countries. We've got a lot of government officials because it's here in Washington. And then, of course, virtually all of the major operators and satellite manufacturers are here. Yeah. And you had mentioned before they have a number of different tracks for different topics and things. What are, what are some of the tracks that they usually cover? They do. So SIA puts on the government and military track. Um, I, don't know who the, I don't know what the other tracks are, actually, how they, how they classify them. But I think that they're, they're arranged by segment of the industry. Okay. And having attended this year's conference in 2019, were there any novel or entrepreneurial ideas that you discovered or were discussed heavily at the conference you could flag? Yeah. So it's interesting because there's so much taking place both on the exhibit floor and in the sessions and all of the private meetings that I suspect that there were a lot of entrepreneurial things that were discussed, but not necessarily with me. Some of the things that I did have a chance to talk to people about, though, related to the IoT and sensors, really some fascinating work being done to be able to come up with in expensive sensors that can connect to satellites. And I think that that has the opportunity for a big breakthrough. Another company that is planning on doing IoT with their own constellation of satellites. So those were some of the more innovative things that I participated in some discussions about. Yeah. And IoT, so Internet of Things, those were talking about like connected cars and other sort of machine-to-machine types of communications. Those as well as sensors that could be used. uh, An example that I've heard in in the world of agriculture um, is that you would be able to do sensors in the soil to determine whether there's a need for um, uh, additional fertilizer or on on animals to be able to uh, to track where they are if they have any uh, any illnesses. So really, some fascinating applications. Well, that is interesting. I'm also familiar with. I think uh, Iridium has these uh, sensors they put on buoys which are monitoring devices to know if the waves are coming and perhaps tsunami alert warnings and things. So is that sort of the similar types of applications? Absolutely. And of course, you can see how it plays into the world of satellite because of the ubiquitous coverage that satellites have. Yeah, that's really terrific. Um, You know, one of the topics that are of discussion at the FCC and the Department of Commerce and some of the other agencies here in D.C. is orbital debris. As we're seeing the launch of more and more satellites, um, how to keep space safe is a, a big topic. Was that something that was raised at the conference as well? There there definitely was, was programming related to that. And I don't know that one can attend many gatherings of people in the industry where it's not a topic. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it is such an important issue for the industry. 
even beyond the government's efforts. I mean, there's a recognition with the great increase in the number of satellites that it's something that needs to be addressed. So it's absolutely something that was discussed. We should talk about a little bit. There's the panel sessions, the substantive topics, but there's also an exhibit floor with uh, all the different folks participating in the satellite industry have their booths. And I think SIA does something really novel here. Do you run some tours for certain folks? We do. So we put on tours for government officials and We had about 60 people from various government organizations. Of course, uh, we always have a number of people from the FCC, but we have people from the State Department, from the Department of Commerce, from the XM Bank. So it's a great opportunity for people in government to get a feel for what's happening at the show. Uh, We take them around to some of our member companies. And you mentioned the companies that are providing services in the area of, of space traffic management and space situational awareness. And that includes some of the companies. I had a chance to take Commissioner Starks, who's new to the relatively new to the commission, certainly in that position. And I had a chance to take him around to some of our members, including one of the companies that has software to be able to track uh, all of objects in space. Oh, I'm sure that must have been really fantastic for him. I know I've walked the floor and sometimes it could be a little bit daunting. There's a whole lot of technology being shown and you're not really sure where to go or how to understand it. So to have that personal touch would have been helpful. Yeah. And certainly it was just... uh, I'll call it a high-level overview because you know, it's it's open for at least two and a half days, and I think one could probably spend that much time, especially if you were getting into detailed discussions with everybody that's there. I would agree with you. And one of the things I'd be most interested in are, are some of the newcomers. We're hearing a lot about additional non-geostationary satellite orbits, NGSOs, who want to go up and provide a variety of services. Um, was there an increased presence for them at the conference or on the showroom floor as well? Yes, yeah, certainly given that that is one of the major growth areas of the industry. And it's not just the satellite operators themselves, it's companies that are selling to them. And, you know, people don't think about some of the the earth station capabilities that are necessary to make them work. So there were certainly a lot of companies presenting products in that segment of the industry, but again, targeted towards that aspect, the, the non-geostationary satellite operators. Yeah. And, and with that, with more folks wanting to put satellites into space to provide services. We're also seeing growth, I think, in the industry for satellite launchers. And there's a whole revitalization right now of Cape Canaveral that's going on. Um, and did you have a chance to come across any of any of these newcomers to the industry? You've got SpaceX, Blue Origin, Relativity. You know, it's interesting. I didn't see any of them on the exhibit floor. It doesn't mean that they weren't, but it's fascinating what's taking place. So I had a chance to to visit Cape Canaveral about a year and a half ago when I spoke before the National Space Council. They had a meeting there, and it was really fascinating to see the facilities, the SpaceX facilities, the Blue Origin facilities. And then just a few months ago, I went back to see the uh, the OneWeb Airbus manufacturing facility. So it's fascinating what's taking place there because there's a whole new ecosystem that's being created as a result of the renewal at Cape Canaveral. There is, and I've still not personally seen a launch, but I'm hoping to. And with, with more satellites being launched and more launchers coming online, my, my day will come, I'm sure. Um, another question I had for you, usually these conferences feature some keynote speakers. And this year's keynote speaker was important. It was Vice President Michael Pence. Um, did you have a chance to attend his keynote speech? And what did he talk about? I did. And it was really interesting because he talked about his interest in space going back to taking his family to the Cape to witness uh, launches. Uh, but of course, 
He is the the chair of the National Space Council, and he noted that when the president asked him whether he'd be willing to chair the uh, the Space Council and the rejuvenation of it, and he said absolutely, given his interest in space. So he he talked about that. Um, certainly, he talked about the importance of satellites, and I have to tell you, it's not very often that one has an opportunity to hear someone at that level talk about the importance of spectrum to the satellite industry. And so uh, it was a great keynote presentation, and I think that um, it shows the level of attention that this administration is showing to the space industry. Yeah, I think that's right. I certainly agree with that. And I know one of the other prominent speakers at this year's conference was Matt Desch. He spoke at a couple of awards ceremonies. They've recently replenished their satellite system. They've got Iridium Next up and operational. And one of the things that they're doing is the Arion service for airplane tracking. Wondered if you had a chance to hear Matt Desch speak um, and any of your takeaways from that. I did. And... um you know, I'm not sure that Iridium is given enough credit for what they've achieved because this is essentially the the second constellation and there's a lot of attention being paid to non-geostationary systems um, and, and Iridium has essentially just launched their second. So I did have a chance to hear Matt speak and it, it was especially interesting because he noted how when he joined Iridium, he had come from the terrestrial wireless industry. And shortly after joining the company, there was an incident where there was a collision with a Russian satellite. And uh, he very jokingly noted that he asked his management team if that was something that happened on very often. Um, and, and it ties in with the comment that you made before about orbital debris because um, it is something that's extremely important. So that was a, a part of his, his discussion that I found particularly fascinating. Yeah, it absolutely is. One of the panels that I had the privilege of speaking on was related to satellite servicing. Um, There's a whole lot of new ideas. One of them is orbital debris mitigation, um, sending up spacecraft that could in fact remove debris. Uh, from our operational parameters and and things like that. And so I I think a lot of this has come from that first collision in space a decade ago, um, and new ideas are even emerging to keep space safe. safe. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many interesting issues as part of that, from policy issues down to just logistical challenges associated with making it happen. But again, we all recognize the importance of keeping space safe. um, And once debris is created, it can be there for forever. Yeah. So I think that there's going to be an opportunity for several companies to um, to, to address that, just not, not only from the orbital debris mitigation on space, but just how we track it on the ground. Our podcast series here at Wiley Ryan called Wiley Connected is closely related to our Wiley Connect blog, which we focus on Internet of Things, something you'd mentioned a little earlier. Could you speak a little bit more about the role of satellites in 5G? Um, how it's going to enable next generation technologies. So the satellite industry definitely sees 5G as a great growth opportunity. And it's traditionally been viewed as more of a a terrestrial service. But one of the great advantages that the satellite industry has is its ubiquitous coverage. And I had an opportunity to testify before Congress twice last year, one relating to bringing broadband to rural America and the other about the deployment of 5G services. And policymakers from rural states want to make sure that 
their residents aren't bypassed. And I think that that's one of the great opportunities for the satellite industry is to ensure that these services are made available to everybody. So whether it's broadband services that are being provided to consumers or whether it's uh, services like uh, the connected car. I keep asking this question to people who are in that segment of of, of the industry. What do, what do these cars do when they run out of uh, a terrestrial signal? I mean, they can't just stop. So, uh, but a, a probably a, another more close-term example is the distribution of software to, to vehicles. So most cars have a tremendous amount of software in their systems today, in their cars. And I heard someone from Toyota speak about how 60% of their cars are sold into markets that don't even have 3G services. So that's another example of the application for for satellite technologies and deployment of 5G. And then, of course, when we start looking at IoT, many of the applications that are given are agricultural. So uh, whether it's using sensors to determine whether there's a need for additional fertilizer or whether it's time to harvest or on animals, on farm animals to determine whether they're ill. It's hard for me to conceive of how you can do that cost effectively without connecting with satellites. And that's why I'd mentioned earlier that some of the interesting technologies that I had heard about at the show related to IoT, because they have to be affordable and they have to be able to connect directly to satellites to make it cost effective. Yeah. And that's a lot of ideas there. That certainly sounds like a theme that we're going to continue to see at future satellite conferences as well. I think we can count on uh, hearing a lot more about it next year. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode of Wiley Connected, we encourage you to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For additional resources and materials, head over to wileyconnect.com. Thank you for listening. The views, information, or opinions expressed during our podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Wiley Ryan LLP and its employees. The material contained in this podcast is not intended to be and is not considered to be legal advice. Transmission is not intended to create and receipt does not establish an attorney-client relationship.